Everybody and welcome to another True Stories of Tinseltown. And I have a wonderful guest, and he is a contributor to the show. He has been on so many times. I think he has made the most times list, and I hope he will continue to come on. My fave guy, John DeLeo. Hi, John. Hey, Grace. Good to be back, as always. Yes. You make me feel like, the, is it Alec Baldwin or Steve Martin who has the most appearances on Saturday Night Live? <laughs> uh, so I, I'm your Alec or Steve. I can't remember which well, one's going to lead at the moment. really good company to be in. <laughs> and yes, the show is not quite as popular. That's okay. You're on your way. <laughs> Zoom, bang, boom to the moon. Okay, so today we have a really interesting topic for you guys. Um, We thought about it a while ago, but, uh, you know, John has something that he was doing, like finishing his book, and he's finally finished, and I can't wait till he comes on to discuss the book with us next year. Anyway, today's subject is uh, how classic Hollywood portrays heaven, hell, whatever, what happens to us after we die or angels, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? How how would we say that? Like afterlife? Yeah. 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 Often uh, it's kind of the limbo between the two places, which is what the the movie's about. You know, where's this person going to end up? Right. Uh, Yeah. And we even have one on reincarnation, which... We'll get into too because I I like to cover whatever kind of things go on, but John, since you are my lovely um, guest contributor and almost probably the most person been on the show, definitely the guy, um, <laughs> you start. Well, um, I, I'm going to guess everyone who listens to your show knows The Ghost and Mrs. Muir oh. from 1947. Yes. And even though it, it doesn't really deal with the idea of heaven until really the last three minutes of the movie, you know, obviously it's a fantasy and uh, a human woman and a male ghost, uh, the love that can never be. Um But then uh, he steps out of her life so she can have a life. Uh, And then in the last few minutes, I will be giving away the ending. But I think most people have seen this. I think so, too. And it's such a good, interesting depiction of what we're talking about. Because when she dies in the last few minutes of the movie, she's an old woman. She drops her glass of milk when she dies. And uh, she's a gray haired lady in a chair. And we see a male person <laughs> approach, and he—it's the ghost Rex Harrison who lifts her out of the chair I'm when she, yeah, when she's standing, movie. she turns back into the young and beautiful Jean Tierney from when they loved her. And so they go down the stairs. They don't say anything. They're just happily uh, holding in hands, a, holding it off. They go as they approach the door. The door opens automatically. And they step out into the sort of mist of of uh, approaching heaven, 
And, uh, you know, I mean, the message was, uh, I think, particularly for 1947, when you had so many women who their husbands or boyfriends didn't come home from World War Two. And this has already been a very touching movie about a widow trying to start a life for herself independently from her husband's family. So I'm sure there was a a lot of women in the audience relating to that. But then this idea that the great love of your life uh, will be there for you at that particular moment. And if you get to be a very old person, you'll get to be who you were in the glory days of your love. And it just uh, it leaves us imagining what that heaven will be. But we're pretty happy because they love each other. They look great and they're going off to finally be on equal terms as the lovers they were always meant to be. So, I mean, if that isn't heaven, oh, you know, what is? Exactly. I mean, I love so. that ending. The first time I saw that movie, I yeah. I cried at the end. I thought, oh, my God, what a beautiful – I had no idea what the ending was. And that just yeah. was so beautiful. I mean, I yeah, figured they would get together, but I just didn't know exactly how that was going to be shown or if – it could have yeah. been shown. And the way they did it was perfection. And Gene was gorgeous and great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rex, sexy Rexy, he was fine and dandy. And he was very, very cute, I must say, as Captain Greg. Uh, and so charming. Yes, uh, Lucia. And yeah, they're so charming <laughs> together. And and it's so many people, uh, it, it's their favorite movie. When you bring up a classic film, so often you'll hear that The Ghost of Mrs. Muir is my favorite movie. And you understand why. It's got so much to love. Yes. Um, gorgeous Bernard Herrmann score. It's the beautiful black and white, these two stars at their peak and their wonderful chemistry. And it's fantasy. It's romantic. It's, you know, a beautiful setting hanging off a cliff, this gorgeous cottage. So, yeah, it's it's kind of got it all. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's pretty wonderful. And, you know, he steps away from her life uh, because she meets that horrible George Sanders. George Sanders, yeah. I don't know. He writes children's books and he's like a musical cheating creep. And it's a very sad. Yes. Very, that, that section is really sad because he's left. Uh, Rex Harrison has disappeared and she has no memory of him, as, which is the way he in, made it happen. Um, but what he leaves her for is actually not worth it. And that's sort of sad. So the ending is even more overwhelming because it, it goes back to that that peak of happiness that they had that we saw. And that he thought she was going to have a life with another person, but she'd never did. She never no. met another man, never, you know, she kind no. of s- stayed with uh, Martha and she was content. And then they yeah. brought up Captain Greg because yeah. nobody else was supposed to have known about it. Natalie Wood p- played the young daughter. I don't know the name of the actress who played the it's, um, It's Vanessa, Vanessa Brown plays That's the right. grown-up one, yeah. Yeah, she was a uh, maid in Gaslight. And um, uh, it, it, it's just the ending. <laughs> Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? That's yeah. just all I'm saying. That would be so beautiful. And yes. it's a lovely, 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 lovely movie. So we have quite a few to get to. And I'm thinking, oh. I'm thinking my list here. I have, uh, I think, um, what was I going to talk about? I'm trying to find <laughs> my list. Okay. Um, uh, on Borrowed Time. Hmm. I do remember that. Yes, I do remember that one. And that stars Lionel Barrymore. And he plays, and it's just really, really creepy. If you hear the description of it, 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the start of it, Mr. Death's around. He gets in a ride with uh, this little boy's and Lionel Barrymore's children, and they in a car crash and die. There they go. They're gone. So <clears throat> then the little boy and and Lionel are together, and Lionel, he loves his grandfather to pieces, and, and Lionel loves him, and he's just sees Mr. Death is coming for him. And so he makes a wish and he tricks Mr. Death, who's played by the wonderful, what's his name, Sir? Cedric Hardwick, Hardwick. right? He was fabulous and dapper. And he's up in an apple tree. So as long as he's up in that apple tree, he cannot make anybody die. So it's all about that. People thinking he's going crazy, this mean, horrible aunt who wants to take him away and she'll make him churchgoer. And, uh, you know, Beulah Bondi's in it. And she said, you know, that she liked John Barry more, but, you know, he swore a lot. And she <laughs> she was a dainty little lady. I guess. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, you're on sets, you should get used to it, but it was funny. And anyway, she was great. And the whole concept is him trying to stave off death because not of fear, but of fear of leaving his kid, the the grandson alone, and what will happen to him. And um, Una Merkel is in it as well, and she's wonderful, as always. And I don't want to give – I can't really – well, everybody – they think he's crazy because he talks about death and and then – the doctor thinks he's crazy, but then he sees, you know, people are, you know, plane crashes are going on, people, and nobody's dying. So he believes him. He starts to believe him, but he says, you know, people have to die. They can't suffer and, and just not die. And mm. so it just sort of ends with him kind of giving into it. And then another thing that I go, oh my, remember that ending? Hmm. Do you remember? I, I don't remember the ending. Uh, I, do, I, I saw it not that long ago, but I don't remember the little remember boy. The little yeah. boy. Um, the li- the little boy can see death, which nobody can see death, but little boy can see death, which means he's going to die. So when the grandfather dies, he I think he runs out in the street and gets killed, or I, I don't remember exactly how he hmm. died, but he died too, which made me so sad. Oh gosh, I don't, you know oh, what gosh. I mean? It's like yeah. People yeah. say that's a beautiful movie, and I guess, you know, that they – it doesn't show us, but I guess, you know, he's going to be with his wife, and and the kid will be with his mother and father, and he's safe from the evil aunt. And it, it – <laughs> I go, oh! Well, well, you know, it's one of the – like, that take a, takes a holiday, obviously, one yes. of those in between, like we're talking about, where – how you know death is inevitable, but what if everything stopped and and you, you could intervene? And so, um, yeah, this is one of those uh, not not quite limbo, but a kind of not even getting that far because you can't. This is getting in the way of death to begin with. Never mind what happens after. Um, but you know, this was a play, of course, and I think mm-hmm. you can kind of tell from the way yes. it's fairly mm-hmm. stagey. You know, it basically takes place in that in the garden in the garden and um, the house and that's it yeah mm-hmm. yeah and that's it and uh i don't think it i don't think it was much of a of a hit at the time i mean it, it uh you know and it's sort of a b production for mgm it's kind of a, a a b a b movie which yeah as often was an a movie for somebody else but uh 
And, uh, you know, Barrymore was sort of moving into more uh, B pictures uh, plus generally. Plus he couldn't move. Because yeah, plus he couldn't move. So he, he was in, basically in the Dr. Kildare movies and, yes. you know, that kind of thing. Um, and he and uh, Bondi had been uh, in The Gorgeous Hussy together. Uh, yes. Married. Rachel smoking. And, of course, <laughs> in It's a Wonderful Life, of yes. course, too. And, uh, yeah, so... Uh, it's amazing the way all those careers intertwined over and over again. And, uh, you know, the more you see, the more you're aware of that. Like, it must have been so much fun. Anyway, <laughs> I'm, I'm moving been. off topic, but yeah. yeah. I know, I know. I wish, I wished, yeah. you know, I wish not that does up a tree that I could go back there for a while. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know, I know. Just be on the movies, uh, be a movie person, just for a year. Sure, Or even sure. a few months. Anyway, um, people told me so much, oh, you're going to love this movie, you're going to love this movie, you're going to uh, love this movie. And so I'm watching it and I'm waiting to love it. <laughs> yeah. And then the ending yeah. comes and I'm like, oh my God, this is holy heart wrench. Because it reminds yeah. me that, remember the Twilight Zone with the grandmother? Little Billy, she gives him a telephone and he can call me anytime. And it's Willie, no. Mo- the Billy Mummy. Oh, the Billy Mummy one. Yes. Yes, yes, yes And yes, she's yes, so yes. selfish. She wants him to come to her. So he runs out and, into a tree, uh, into the street, and he almost dies. And the son gets yeah. on the phone and bring it back to me, Ma. What a selfish beast. So that's what it reminded <laughs> me of. But we don't know. But I guess I have phones in the afterlife as far as yeah. that's Oh, sure. Concerned. Anything you want. Yeah. yeah. Well. Yeah. Okay. Number two for you. Um, well, the Heaven Can Wait from 1943, which it's always so confusing because the remake of Here Comes Mr. Jordan was called Heaven Can Wait in the 70s, but the Heaven Can Wait from the 40s is not the same. You know you know what I mean. Yes. But I mean the Heaven Can Wait directed by Ernst Lubitsch in color in 1943 starring Donna Michi. And it's another Gene Tierney movie, although she has nothing to do with the hell part of the story. Um you know, it opens and closes in hell. And it is kind of amusing because there aren't that many big movies that have scenes. Actually, there are more scenes set in heaven in movies than in actual hell. Right. And it's a comedy, so it's rather witty. And it's sort of this sort of looks half like a very glamorous hotel lobby. Really? With I mean, lots of red, but not all red, but lots of red. The devil's office is pretty. Yeah, it's uh... the devil's office. And the <laughs> office, it's like this a CEO. It's a grand space. And it's Laird Krieger, who who's only called His Excellency, I believe, that, yes. you know, it's all kept very <laughs> subtle. Uh, and he's, you know, a big, imposing, very elegant man. And uh, Don Amici, basically, the plot is him telling his life story, trying to convince Satan that he belongs here. And again, it's sort of, uh, well, do you or do you not? And I'll make my final judgment at the end of the movie. But I guess the most memorable bit of the hell part is the great character actress Florence Bates. I love that Who part. comes storming in as a sort of very annoying busybody. Like Rebecca. Who's instantly detestable <laughs> and irritating. And the devil just presses the button and the chute opens and flames come up and she's gone. I love that. So she's that. sent immediately to hell. It's very surprising and very funny. And isn't uh, that when she's showing her ankles? Because she knew, um, she knew him. She before. knew Don Amici. Yeah, they <laughs> knew each young. other. And she yeah. just like does this thing with her ankles, like a I think you're pose. right. I think there is something where she goes, Voof. yeah, <laughs> yeah, gone. So she's in it for like a. It's less than five minutes. But certainly, you remember it. It's yeah, so oh, great. It's, remember because the flames shoot up. Uh, <laughs> it's so funny. And she's talking, and of course, Boom. you know. 
without giving it away, although it is a comedy, so you probably would guess how this one ends, but it ends basically at the elevator in in the office to decide if you're going up or down. We know what that means. Yes. And, uh, of course, the the Laird Krieger makes his final judgment at the end of the movie. But, like I said, it's, it's kind of witty, and it's sort of... Um, sort of high comedy, sort of sophisticated yes. depiction of hell. Very beautiful and and fun and amusing. And Laird is a darling. I mean, yeah, you know. and he's perfect <laughs> with his. I think he's got his usual goatee. Yes, and uh, and Don Amici genuine, genuinely believes that he belongs there. But, but I don't you know. get that. You know, he didn't I murder know. anyone. He didn't. Do I anything. know. I know. I know. So, I think but, it is a stretch. But, <laughs> but, you know, that's what makes the movie. It's a very good movie for you guys to watch. Yes, yes. It's not a bummer like on borrowed time. <laughs> yeah. For and, some and reason of course, it is to me. The color makes, you know, the hell scene particularly uh, partic- you know, particularly beautiful and memorable because we want to see that red. Yes. And if it had been in black and white, it just wouldn't have the same punch. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. It was great. And and it was beautiful in color. And it was yeah, just really beautiful movie. A really nice, a fun movie. Um, yeah. We're going to go to another downer. <laughs> oh, good. You're, you're, you're a lot of fun. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> but well, I don't know if it's a downer. It's very fascinating yeah. look at death between two worlds. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, starring, uh, it was 1930. It was based on a play, and I be- believe it was called Outward Bound. That's uh, true. We're talking about uh, the one in the 40s during uh, World War II time. And it was much better. I mean, <laughs> I have to say, yeah. it, it is stagey. It's only yeah. in a specific area. But Leslie Howard, I mean, he wasn't, I love him to pieces, but he was just, I laughed when I saw him with his big yeah. realization. But the, oh, yeah. but the thing is, you know, I'm not spoiling the movie. These people, there's Paul Henry, who's not my fave, but he's there. Mm. And um, he's sort of shell-shocked. He was in the war. And he's a pianist, and he can't play the piano anymore. And he's trying to get a ticket out of England. And, you know, there's no way he'll say he can get out. And he has this lovely Eleanor Parker, who's only 21, and this adorable doggy. And they live in this basement apartment and whatever. And he wants to kill himself. So he start, but and Eleanor goes looking for him. And she sees in the meantime, all these people being blown up in a car. And so she goes back. She sees he's got the, the, the stuff on the gas and she just kind of goes in there to die with him and they wake up on this boat and it is a creepy you know and it's boom you know the the honking of the horn and and it's got this fog and darkness when you're on the deck and they they're there and they don't know where they are and and um, he can play the piano again. It's all wonderful and lovely. But then they figure out, oh, my God, we're dead. And then who comes in but Scrubby, who is played by Mr. Chris Kringle himself, <laughs> Edmund Gwynn. And he yeah. is wonderful as Scrubby. And uh, he does not want them to tell the other passengers that they're dead. He wants them to come to the realization themselves. And they have like a motley crew. They have... Um, this snobby broad, this snobby woman, Isabel Elsom, who's fabulous, and she's done oh, yeah. so many movies uh, as a sure. snobby woman. 
I don't know who played her husband, but he's just a nice, easygoing, passive guy. Then Abner Kravitz <laughs> plays a merchant marine who thinks he's so lucky. His wife has just had a baby and he's going home to her. He's been on three ships and never been, you know, he's that have been bombed, but he's lived for it. What's his name? That wonderful character actor. I don't remember that character. It's, uh, his I mean, wife just had a baby. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I remember John Garfield. Is, oh, he I mean, is wonderful. He like some gangster, some kind of thug of some no, kind. No, he's other. a newspaper no? man. And, oh, well, he was in. Tu- he was kind of in tough, tough guy tough mode. Guy, though, right? sure. Yeah, yeah. Always John Garfield. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. yeah, so he's in tough guy mode, cynical newspaper guy, and he's with uh, the woman uh, Maxine. Who was oh, that's uh, Faye Emerson is the other woman, other young woman in the movie. Yeah. Yes, yeah, and they yeah. they had a thing, but not anymore. Yeah. And she she was wanted to be an actress, but I guess I don't know. She I don't use mon, men for money and things like that. And she's sort of bitter and that kind of person, along sure. with John Garfield. And a P.S. You guys, she was Eleanor Roosevelt's daughter-in-law for a few. For like a year. That's right. That's, <laughs> That's right. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, she's good. And then it's that wonderful George Cloris. I think that's how you oh, pronounce yeah. his name. As, yeah, yeah. As the horrible man who's rich and has made everybody's life miserable and all he cares about is himself. And he wants a bodyguard on the ship. And so he wants to pay um, – Paul Henry to be his bodyguard, and he's like, "Well, money's your money's no good. Whatever, take the money." And they they just don't know where they are. Then there's Mrs. Minute, played by that lovely little actress who was in. Um, uh, gee, she was in everything. Is that the Sarah Allgood part? Sarah Allgood, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And a priest who is so excited because he's never left England and he's so excited that he's going to go out, meet new people and do new things. (laughs) Fooled you, bud. And then (laughs) there is – so it's the two people, Maxine, him, the two people, Scrubby, Abner Kravitz, and slowly – do we miss somebody else? Well, is it, who's the guy they have to all go before? You the examiner, him. yes, but this yes. is they fi- this soon is, find this out. This is the big deal. Yes, the big cheese is Sidney Greenstreet, and he of is course. fabulous. He is so yeah. great. He's in his white suit. He comes in. He's ho, 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 ho. He's jolly. He's great. But people are terrified. They don't know what to expect. They find out they're dead. Poor Abner Kravitz just had a baby, and, you know, his wife just had a baby, and he just can't believe he's dead. And, you know, people are just, you know, scared. To meet well, this family. is another like uh, even like Heaven Can Wait. This is another one of those limbo movies of like, where do I go? Am I going up or down? And this is obviously a dramatic version of that same idea of again telling your presenting your life and getting a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And you really don't have to tell much of your life to the examiner, yeah. but they're all. I guess terrified. he knows. Yeah, <laughs> I guess he, I, he does I guess know. He knows. There are many yeah. examiners, so he's not God. He's an examiner. Yeah. And um, but everybody's terrified. They think he's going to be this big, mean guy, or you know, expecting you know whatever they read and whatever their religion may be or whatever they may feel. They don't think it's going to yeah. be 
this guy. So when they see him come on board and he knows he knows the priest because he was a priest, too, and he died. Um, they're like pals. Oh, yes, this one. They're gossiping about the one died and that he's seen the other day and <laughs> things like that. They're gossiping. Yeah. And um, each person comes in to meet their fate with the examiner. And to me, I really didn't get some of it. Like, why would, where was Maxine going? Do you know? Because what did she really do? My my issue with with it always was you've got this basically a ship. I mean, it's like an ocean liner. Right. And there's how many people, there's only like, you said like 20 people that we're dealing with. And only one guy. If they're all going, if they're all dead, why don't they fill up the ship before they have to make this trip to see that, you know, it just seemed like it's not a very economical way to make this function. You're going to pick up 20 people every time you. They weren't going green, that's for sure. Yeah, it was. Yeah, exactly. It just didn't seem very smart in terms of the, you know, so much of it really is just the trick of when we all figure out or when they all figure out that they're dead. I mean, that's the hook of 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 the thing. Uh, You know, one thing I want to say about this movie is, you know, uh, it has one of my favorite scores ever written. It's an Eric Wolfgang Korngold score. Um, it's fantastic. And if this were a really good movie and a famous movie, this would be one of the most famous pieces of movie music. But since it's stuck in this movie that is barely remembered and wasn't particularly well received, it's, you know, it's, it's oblivion. You know, it went to oblivion because, um, nobody knows it, but it's a really fantastic piece of music. And, um, I used to have it on my corn gold albums. Like, what is this from? And it was like, between two worlds, what's that? You Name know, that and, uh, tune, right? Yeah, because <laughs> uh, yeah, because you know the, the great scores he wrote for the great films. We we do remember whether it's King's Row or the Robin Hood score. You know, they're they're recognizable, and this is a really a wonderful piece of music. But like I said, the, it has very little bearing on the quality of the movie no, itself. It, and it is based on a play, and it is stagey. Yeah. And John Garfield, I love. Because I love yeah, him I as too. ever. I do too. As ever. Paul, you know, like I said, uh, Paul Henry is not my fave. He's well, Paul Henry, the problem with Paul Henry, I mean, you know, capable actor. He had the two biggies. He had Casablanca and now Voyager. But, you know, he, he they tried to, you know, make him a major star. And he just was never going to be that. And this is a good example of one of those things where it's like, he's not a major star. It's just, you know, he's great as Victor Laszlo. Yeah. But, um, or even Jerry and now Voyager is not, he's the leading man, but he's not really, a. a, 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 the role is not of equal value to Betty Davis's. So he, he, you know, you can't really put him, you know, front and center like that. Um, and to be with Eleanor Parker, I mean, he was yeah. like an old, uh, older fellow. <laughs> let's be right, honest. she's so fresh and beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she's going to kill herself for Paul Henry. But, yeah, yeah. But I love this quote: "What yeah. Sydney Greenstreet, as the Examiner says, yeah, you make your heaven and hell for yourselves on Earth. You only bring it with you here." Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they each go to. To different places, and none of them go to the same place. It's like, you know, I don't know. There's like uh, this heaven, here's a heaven, there's a heaven, there's a heaven. There's a limbo. You're not ready for heaven yet, so you're going to go here. And then 
Yeah. He met Mr. Caloris, who always plays a bad guy, and he was so wonderful, and Mr. Skeffington gets sent off, yeah. and we don't really know, but we guess it's really not a nice place. <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> sure. Okay, so your sure. turn. Um, well, again, we don't see heaven in this one, but again, everyone knows the bishop's wife uh, from 1947, also the same year as the ghost of Mrs. Muir. And the reason I thought of it um, is because, well, heaven's off the screen, but it but it hovers because a, uh, Cary Grant, of course, plays the angel Dudley, who's come to help out with um, the bishop, uh, played by David Niven, and the bishop's wife, Loretta Young, and their problems with the building of the new cathedral and the problems in their marriage. And, you know, if you wanted to depict uh, heaven – uh, what could be better than having Cary Grant as a representative? Uh, here he is as the angel who is more handsome, more dapper, charming, funny. He's everything. If, if Cary Grant's there, you'd be like, yeah, I want to go to that place, yeah, whatever it is. Take me with you. <laughs> yeah, take me with you. Uh, it's going to be fun. You know, you're the best company. You're the wittiest. You know, you know he's, he's just wonderful. And, of course um, – Loretta likes him too. <laughs> We're not surprised. No. But I think the reason I thought of this for this conversation was that ultimately, you know, he does his business. He helps everything out. The world's a better place for Dudley's intervention. But he comes to that point where it's time to go. And in the writing and in Cary Grant's performance, you can feel the regret in terms of, I don't really want to leave. Now, of course, there's no place for him. He's not going to break up this marriage. No, that's uh, no he's angel. not going to stay working in the in this job for, as an assistant uh, to the bishop. But but that longing for, gosh, I want uh, some of this or this is wonderful. Being alive is a wonderful thing. Yes. And that's the lovely message of the movie for the audience is that here's this incredible angel. And he's the one who's... Ha- is leaving with that uh, those twinges of sadness that I'm not really a part of this beautiful thing, uh, this lovely marriage, these wonderful relationships, this Christmas season, all of this. Um, I must go on to my next thing. And that do, do they really know how lucky they are? And I think that's a that was a beautiful message again post World War II. Um, and, uh, again, heaven will be nice when we get there because Cary Grant is part of it all, but it's that, uh, a fantasy that's basically about appreciating how wonderful it is to be alive. Yes. And the wonderful Monty Woolley was in it. And I yes, love the relationship great. between Cary and Monty Woolley. Yeah. And they're great together. It was, it's just a very sweet movie. And it's, of course, on my Christmas watch list. Of I course, have it. of course. But it's so funny. I can only watch it at Christmas. It's just me. Calm and then, And it's got Gladys Cooper as the Scrooge of the movie who, you know, we're waiting for her transformation, which, of course, comes. And so that that's it has its female Scrooge. And she's great, as always, too. And that adds a lot to the emotional heft of the, of the climax. And it's very cute because the women... Mm-hmm. Um, like the maid who is played by Elsa yeah. Lanchester <laughs> yes. and the old bitty uh, uh, secretary. What's her Sarah name? Hayden. Yeah, yes. yes. They're all so it's smitten. Smitten. Yes. They wear like flowers <laughs> in their hair. Yes. <laughs> they do all this yes. stuff for Dudley. Yes. It's very yeah. cute. And yeah. uh, who could blame them? Please. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, hula yeah. dance every day if he came in. Hello, 
<laughs> right. Yeah. And the thing was he had to help Henry see that he didn't need this million-dollar cathedral. Yeah, yeah. You are looking at life in the wrong way, Henry. You're, you used to enjoy going to Michelle's and doing all this, and this woman's holding yeah. it over your head, this million-dollar yeah. thing. And um, it's just a really, like you said, a good, great message that it is beautiful to be alive. In some people's cases, unfortunately, I don't want to go down that route. Yeah, it, yeah. It's harder. Sure, but, um, sure. Life is beautiful, you know, and just to take those little moments, you don't have to have this big cathedral and you be this big Monsignor dude, you know, it's just being with your wife and your kid and that adorable St. Bernard and, you know, just having some good soup, (laughs) you know, to treasure just these small little things that Carrie cannot treasure anymore. And he did how he did it, but he he fell in love with Julia. That's for sure. Yeah. And, um, but it's it's a beautiful movie, and it's a good pick. And yeah, Ash, good. you picked. I'm going to go to Scrooge. Um, yeah. Scrooge, oh, good. That was a nice segue. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Scrooge is um, not doesn't really show us heaven hell, but it, you know, like those lamenters, you know, yeah. that they show yeah. him when Jacob Marley visits Scrooge, you know, the story, my favorite is the 1950 version with Alistair. Yeah, I I agree. He is incredible. He has the most, and he is a comedic actor. He was also in stage fright. He's a writer. Oh, he's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, He's hilarious in that. Love him. But you see his change and his evolution. Whereas like you see 1938, you see the other guy, Reginald Owen. Yeah. And he's like, got this horrible skull cap on and, yeah. You know, he he like changes in the first with the first person. <laughs> yeah, know, he's not he's not know. one of my favorites. No. I'm not a Reginald Owen fan, but no. Alice Sim is terrific. I love yes. him and everything I've seen him in, but this is my favorite, and it gets me every time. And his change yeah. gets me every time, and it shows us where he's visited by three angels. The first angel is. A, uh, an older guy with the long hair, and he kind of comes in that white robe. But first, he's visited by Jacob Marley, his old partner. All they were the avarice, greed, not caring about anybody. You know, just money. The two of them, they messed with the kindest people, and and just were horrible human beings. And so Jacob dies, and this guy like couldn't shed a tear, and he keeps. I think even yeah. worse, Jacob Marley's like death. The death <laughs> nightgown or something. He doesn't want drapes taken down. He's just he moves into Jacob's place. Can you imagine what his was? Anyway, um, Jacob comes visiting him on Christmas Eve, and we hear and the crackling of the chains and this and this and and Scrooge doesn't believe it, but boy, that Jacob Marley was good with his screaming, lament, and the whole nine yards. He was great. And he said about his his chains were the evil, right? They were like, um, are you there? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm hearing an echo, so I'm just trying to see. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Okay. Oh. I th- we're fine. I don't hear it anymore. I had to move okay. the wire. Okay. Uh, so... Yeah. So Jacob Marley, he wears these chains from all the sins he wore in life. And he said, I'm here to help you. Because, honey, if you think this chain is long, you got to see yours. (laughs) 
and I'm uh, here to save you. I'm doing a good deed for you. And you're going to be visited by three ghosts. And the first one is innocuous. It takes him to his past, which really wasn't a good past childhood. But he has a sister fan who loved him to pieces. And then um, it takes you to Fan's deathbed. And she... Uh, gives birth to her son and she dies just as just as his father Scrooge Scrooge's mother died giving birth to him Scrooge hates the son that um, his sister gave birth to and died he can't stand him and so but he doesn't hear the ghost shows him what he did not hear. And it says, take care of my little boy, Ebenezer, take care of my little boy. And he finally hears that. And it's, um, he he just can't believe it. And he's like screaming, fan, I'm sorry, fan. And then it takes you to another place where he's a young buck working his way up. Yeah. With what's his face? And he meets Jacob Marley and they just become whatever. And what the guy they played to choose Scrooge Junior? I'm not really crazy, but he reminds me a lot of my one of my childhood best friends' brothers, and we called him Narf. And <laughs> I just don't like him. He's a Narf. So they take him there, and he was engaged to a lovely person. She did not have means. Ebenezer was all about position and means. Then they had Mister Fezziwig, who was the nicest man, and made everybody happy. That was his boss. But then they get a chance to buy out Mr. Fezziwig, take his place, and then they just become, he becomes a heartless, horrible man. His engagement is ended. Um, and he becomes old Scrooge. So, but the middle Scrooge, what do they show them? Oh, what's going on now? He's the ghost yeah, of Christmas. They show uh, what's happening with, with the Cratchits. He, yes, he's the the, yeah. the the one ho 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 sort of like a jolly Henry the Eighth kind of ghost, but wearing, you know, like Christmas yeah. stuff. He and there's lots yeah. of food around him and everything, and he seems like a jolly sweet fellow. And so he takes him to the Cratchits and he takes to see what, what's going on and how happy they are with so little. And Tiny Tim, then he goes to his nephew's Fred's with his wife, who he disowned because he married. Well, he never liked Fred anyway, but disowned because um, he married a poor woman. And he sees what their house is like. And, you know, someone brings up his name and they're like, ah, he's a creep, whatever. And um, then he fires Bob Cratchit. And um, he doesn't tell, I think he tells his wife, whatever, but he has the grace to toast Scrooge and they'll do it, I'll do it for you. But, and he sees people who have nothing, but they're happy and he has not helped them in the least. He's been a, a mean, creepy poop to them. And uh, he he is sort of left after seeing them. He asks the guy of the future to let him know what happens to Tiny Tim because he he gets really taken by the child who is adorable. And God blesses everyone. How cute is he? And he says, I see an empty stool by the fireplace, meaning that 
Finally, mm-hmm. Tim is going to be, see you later, alligator. So before he leaves Scrooge, he gets kind of and shows him the scoop. There are two children underneath his robe. And one is, what is it? One is hunger and one is oh. two kids. They're, they're clutching to him and they look like they weigh 22 pounds and they have great makeup on whatever. And then the ghost kind of echoes out and all of a sudden Scrooge sees the third one, the ghost of the future. And all he is, is this big tall guy in this black thing. And all you see is his hand finger pointing. And of course, Scrooge fears him the most. Do you want to tell him about the ghost of Christmas future? (laughs) No, I know. Okay. I'll tell Uh, you about the ghost of Christmas future. Well, I mean, I was just saying, I mean, again, it's like uh, Bishop's wife in the terms of what the what the story, you know, basically is, is is uh, appreciate uh, being alive. Uh, you know, uh, what are you what are you waiting for? Uh, it's right there for you to enjoy it. And uh, and and like the Gladys Cooper, change your attitude, embrace it. What are you what are you holding on to? What are you winning by being so awful? And holding on to all that money. And, <laughs> yes. and this is what you're going to get. You're going to be one of those yeah. lamenters. Ah! And so I guess the heaven in this <laughs> In this story is the last scene of of him uh, seeing everything as if uh, for the first time. Like a child that he's so yeah. happy and he's giddy and, and it's made. Yeah. He gives her a, a good some. A, and, and wherever the ghosts have come from, which we I, they don't really I don't believe they say exactly. No. But but uh, it's certainly some form of uh, heaven or hell right. or, or both. Yeah. I mean, and, and they've come. Uh, and uh, to to warn, yeah, exactly. This so is what you, could happen you, to you. You're going to you're going to either be in heaven or hell based on what you do, and it's not too late. Yeah, to, because to they make see, a change. He sees he's dead. They're picking over his stuff, and they're talking about sure. him. Nobody gives a crap about him. Nobody showed. I'll show up if there's a lunch. They're, nobody cares yeah. about him. And right. he sees poor Bob Cratchit in his sorrow, losing a tiny Tim, and the whole thing. So he. All of a sudden, wakes up. He thinks he's gone, and he and he see. They point him to his tombstone. He points him to the tombstone, and he's just like no. And he's clutching his curtains, and he's thrilled. I'm alive. I'm alive. He looks at himself, and and he gives to his maid money, and and he scares her. He gives her a kiss on the cheek, and and she thinks he's gone crazy, but he hasn't. And he gets a big turkey, sends it to the Cratchits, and. They say, no note on it. Who gave it? And the little boy says, I know, Tiny Tim, Mr. Scrooge. And they laugh at him. And he was right. It was Mr. Scrooge. And then Mr. Scrooge goes to his nieces and nephews. And to me, acting is so amazing. In this scene, it's a silent scene. He is going to his niece and nephews. He's been invited. But he's embarrassed the way he's treated them and treated the wife and whatever. And he gives the coat to the maid, and he looks at the door, and then he looks at the maid, 
And she smiles at him and nods at him and he smiles and he goes in. And it's such wonderful poignant acting. Like, I, I'm afraid to go in. And it's so great. He's so wonderful. Yeah. And it is. It's redemption. And at the end, they say he's a kind, never was a kinder man or more giving. And then he fixed Tiny Tim's leg up and he comes running to him, Uncle Scrooge. And it's just this beautiful, <laughs> wonderful, you know, it's never too late to redeem yeah. yourself. I think that's more, you know. Yeah. You know, you can be any age, but you can change. People think that they yeah. can't change. You can change. You can change. Mm. We have that power. And that's mm -hmm. just a beautiful movie. Celebrate life. Celebrate love. Celebrate being with people you love. And, you know, that is the most important thing in life. That's what it tells you. So, again, that was a, it's a beautiful movie. I know I go on and on around the block about it. That's why I wanted you to take over. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Okay, your turn. Um, this one, I, I, uh, I mean, I've been basically talking about movies I like, but this one is one I don't like. Uh, it's The Bluebird, 1940, the Shirley Temple movie, which is kind of uh, Fox's answer to The Wizard of Oz, but uh, it didn't turn out so well. And although it's a lavish Technicolor production, uh, Shirley Temple and her little brother go looking for the Bluebird of Happiness. And... Uh, one of the places they go is they I don't believe they ever call it heaven. They call it the kingdom of the future, as I recall. But it's you know, it's it's a version of, of what we would identify as a kind of heaven. And what it is though is people waiting to be born. Do you remember this one, Grace? No, I do not. Okay. Okay, it's a hoot. Uh people are waiting it, to be born, so it's sort of like reincarnation? No, they've never been born. Ah. They're waiting to be born, but you'd say, well, why are they all teenagers <laughs> waiting to be born? Some are, some are a little younger, but no one's like 25. Every, there are a lot of teenagers and, and younger, and everyone's dressed in togas, and it looks like ancient Greece. Now, what is this? But what's funny is, you know, who's so who's there? You've got, um, they meet, it, it's kind of uh, kind of creepy too. They meet their little sister who th is going to die when she gets there as a baby, and they, they know this. They meet the person who invented anesthesia. They meet Lincoln. But maybe the most gruesome of all, there's these teen lovers who are going to be separated, and, and they will have no contact once they're on Earth, and they're torn apart oh, very dramatically. My. And it's just this really weird kind of hilarious because it's so over the top depiction of something that makes no sense. <laughs> and you're just thinking this is a bad movie, but this is the worst scene in a bad movie. Uh, and uh, like I said, I, in terms of what it looks like, it's certainly a version of what we would, we would call a, a depiction of heaven. But what's weird is they all know their lives and deaths beforehand too uh, it just doesn't satisfy on any level. It's just head scratching and creepy and kind of stupid, but it, it's, uh, it's unforgettable. <laughs> if it's ever on, I'd say watch it because you kind of won't believe it. But, uh, and that's, yeah, Shirley was going to be Dorothy. So I guess they gave Shirley this. She was they thought, yeah. yeah, they thought this was going to top the Wizard of Oz and it was a flop and it kind of, uh, she was sort of on the way out by then anyway. And this kind of sealed it. So, did you ever see a matter of life and death? Oh yeah, oh sure. Yeah, that was a very good movie. It starred uh, Kim. Well, that's an, Kim. It's 
Kim Hunter and, and David Niven, that's another one. Again, it's like, it's a trial, right? And it's like, right. does he, does he get to be alive again or is he really dead? And again, it's, uh, you know, putting it out there, where am I going to end up? You know, these conflicts often in these movies of which side, and it's usually, like I said, tips on some kind of uh, heightened appreciation of being alive ultimately. Yes. And, and it's, and you don't know because it it can have it could have it could be fantasy it could just be what some someone was thinking in his mind or whatever yeah. but it's beautiful and the weird yeah. thing about it because it's all in technicolor but they have heaven in black and white which is that pretty, is a striking yes. thing because if you were guessing you would probably think it would be a black and white movie that went to color when it went to yeah. heaven like the wizard of oz kind right. of thing and yet the fact that they did it in the reverse, again, I think goes to what, I, what we were just talking about, about it's being alive. That's the most vibrant thing. You know, the, the, what comes after is after. But the, the essential, you know, exciting thing is to to live and make the most of it. That's where the color is so rich and saturated. And enjoy your world while you've got yeah. it. Yeah. But, but- isn't that depressing with all these movies? It's sort of like when you <laughs> yeah. croak, forget it, Charlie. And I don't mean to be horrible. No, I, it's the endless fascination, of course, with the unknown. Um, and and often to make comedy out of it, we didn't even mention Here Comes Mr. Jordan, which is the other famous one from the 40s of another mistake and which side do I belong on? Am I dead or am I alive? And, and uh, Well, they know to, it's uh, a mistake. That's the, yeah, that's a mistake. Uh, I have to find a new body to put me in. Um, but you know, to make light of it is one way of dealing with the, with the grim truth of it all. But uh, yeah, I think ultimately... Uh, most fantasy things, whether we're talking now we're in a whole different subject, things like vampires and whatever, uh, it's usually a Frankenstein's monster. It's that craving for humanity. I don't mean to eat. I mean to be. Yes. <laughs> I mean craving to be alive. And that's mostly what these all all these depictions of heaven and hell are, as we said, it's, it's not too late to make a change, uh, make every moment count. And that's really like, regardless of what happens after, which we have no control None of over, us now. No. you might as well savor it and try to be a good person and, and make the best in terms of your choices and all of that. So they're usually uplifting, mm-hmm. um, you know, or, or not going to be very successful if they're not. Right. <laughs> but they are. But um, you chose It's a Wonderful Life. I think that's a good one to talk about an angel and to talk about that movie. Well, that one, I mean, I, I love the movie as, as most people do. And, you know, we have the angel, but, you know, we really in, in the prologue, we have that sort of depiction of it, the stars twinkling as mm-hmm. they speak to each other. And, and I mean, it's fairly cheap in terms of uh, special effects, in right. terms of what they came up with for heaven. There's yeah. really nothing, there's really nothing to look at. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's, it's a charming way to at least set the tone that, you know, an hour and a half into this thing or whatever, we're going to be dipping into fantasy. So we've established it in the first five minutes, even though you're going to forget <laughs> that it's going to be a fantasy. But we did we set it up that way and then um, we're ready to go with it. Um, and, 
yeah, of course we love the angel and the, in his case, we know he was alive. Uh, um, so again, it's very comforting, uh, in terms of what comes after in terms of that through Clarence and through like I said, in the prologue. And, but again, it's about, you know, of course, uh, appreciating life and, uh, you know, and it's a wonderful life, even if you didn't think it was. Yes, you, figure you were so out close that to suicide, it, you, and yeah, then you, you see what figure out that that it, that it was, but uh, via help you know. from Clarence. Sure. One sure. thing about it gets me though. It's like the hierarchy in heaven. <laughs> you know, they're yeah. mean to Clarence. Like he doesn't get. Oh yeah. Well, he's like, oh, you're going to yeah, that true. idiot, Clarence. <laughs> well, angel second, angel second class. Yeah. Right. You know, right. It's right. Like, why should there be in heaven like this hierarchy? Yeah. There. Okay. Yeah. There's God and the Grand yeah. Poobah. That should be right. it. But why should everybody else be like? You know. Yeah. There's this. It's like you can't get away from regimentation yeah. in class yeah. or any. Anything, even in heaven. Yeah. I'm trying to think any movies that really depicted heaven. Um, and I don't Well, you know, so. even in, even in uh, Here Comes Mr. Jordan, we never quite get there because that's like that way station right. where, the, you know, they fly the planes to the next thing. And it's a lot of people walking around and, you know, clouds like a, a, a couple of inches high. They cover their feet um, <laughs> as they walk around. But again, you know, it's not the actual destination it's the again a, a limbo or a way station of some kind to uh figure out the final destination i guess because maybe when you get there there's you <laughs> there's no more plot once you arrive True. What, you know, they don't really great, know what to say or do there's that great ending of the Abbott and costello movie the time of their lives oh, I love which him. ends yeah. with lou costello getting to heaven but it's closed uh <laughs> uh so he has to wait. Uh, so, but again, we never get inside, but we, we're right there. You know, we're right there. And but I have so, to say, do you remember Angel on My Shoulder? With again, yeah, Claude Rains yeah. played an eight, uh, you know, Mister Jordan in like an angel guy. Yeah. And in this, he plays the real time devil. And in this movie, they actually show you the grossness and the, oh, that's right. The there fire was a, and people yeah. ha- having to dig pits and never, yeah. never ending in the state, take him down 55 levels to this part and this and this. And it's really yeah. like, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Cause I, yeah. right. You don't see that too often. And that one did go there. Yeah. yeah I guess yeah. it's easier to tell you what hell is and people, you know, because it's what we hear, fire and brimstone. But for heaven, so many people have different views. and, and not, Exactly. You don't and it know. might get to be boring, you know, real fast. You know, <laughs> well, it's sort of like Shangri-La and Lost Horizon. Don't okay, you feel we're that here. way? It's nice. I'm the same one. I think now what? I don't want to live here. And there's a, cat, just, there's a cat system there as well. You know, they yeah. get to live in the palace and, every, and these great yeah. jewels and they have all this fine art. Yeah. They kidnap yeah. them to get there. And the poor brother is like... You know, yeah. vilified because he doesn't want to stay in that boring joint. You know, yeah. <laughs> I want to get right. out of here. No, I, I, yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, get, get me out of here yeah. fast. It's so yeah. not just like Brigadoon. I always think, get me out of here. <laughs> I want to be back at that New York bar where all the fun's happening. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I know. yeah. And the yeah. thing is, again, what is another one that does that? It's like you know, harps and and wings and stuff. Yeah. It's like yeah. I want to go get a pizza and have some wine. I want the grease <laughs> yeah. from the pepperoni to go down my arm. That's heaven to me. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and 
I have to tell you a funny story about my mom, and I even wrote a, a song about it, which someday it's country song. And my mom was eating, and my mom loved food. She just adored her food. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I'm having this thing again. Now, what's going on? Huh. Sheesh. Do we run out of time? It's no, no. We're almost out of time, but I'm doubling down. Okay, here we go again. With my mother, she loved food. And whenever I visited her, I would, she loved my, I make really good Italian food, even though I'm not Italian and I'm not bragging. Oh, it's just a fact. Okay. <laughs> so I bring her tons of stuff to eat now and to do with this. And then we would take her to a this really yummy Chinese restaurant and order tons of stuff. So she'd have, cause she loved Chinese food and have leftover Chinese food. And then, you know, I'd grocery shop and get her tons and tons of groceries because she didn't have a car. So whenever I visited, which I tried to do once a month, um, I do that for her. And so one morning I got up, I was staying at my mom's house and she was just chowing down. It was nine o'clock and she was chowing down on pork fried rice. <laughs> Coming to town, I said, mom, I'm going to have to do the Heimlich maneuver. Stop eating so fast. And she said, you know, she called me gracious. You know, gracious, I don't think there's any food in heaven. So that's um. why I'm enjoying my food now. Oh, and that's when I made up my song. If there ain't no food in heaven, it don't sound so heavenly to me. Right. <laughs> I sang that to my mother, and I wrote a whole song about it. But um, that's good. Well, that sounds like you know what it, I think it was Mark Twain that said, "Heaven for climate, hell for society," <laughs> which kind of says what we've been dancing around. You know, it's like. Yeah. Uh, all the all the all the people I know probably in hell, so I might as well go where I know people. So. Yeah. And maybe you you get Kentucky Fried Chicken, fried whatever, everything. Fri yeah, yes. you're right. That's Sizzler, right. Sizzler, the restaurant. That's an interesting way to but, think of but, it. But and then if you think about it, in the '80s they did have um, with Meryl Streep and Robert and Brooks, oh, Albert Brooks. Oh yeah, def yeah, defending your life. Right. Yeah, and yeah, they had everybody that. going in, and Meryl Streep had this huge heaping plate. I mean, really, yeah. like two foot plate of pasta, yeah. meatballs, and she could eat it all and not gain weight. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it also there had a system where okay, you're not good enough to be in this part of heaven. You got to go to that part of heaven. Yeah. <laughs> Which I sure. don't get. Anyway, no. is there any other one? Oh, I just wanted to talk about one that talked about reincarnation. Did you yeah. ever see Bridie Murphy? I did. Uh, only once Me when, uh, was it when Netflix had it on, to stream for a while? And I think it was gone. I think I saw it. Uh, but it never appeared on TV as I, far as I could see. So anyway, I did catch it once. I um, caught it once as well. Yeah, and then I Teresa was fascinated. Wright, yeah. yeah, because I wanted to read more about it. And yeah. um yeah, you know, I do hypnosis. I don't know if you knew that, John. No, I do. I didn't. Uh huh. And but I don't do past life regression because I I just don't want to ha to be a shyster or anything like that. You know what I mean? I don't sure. want to lead someone in somewhere that's not true. Or if it is, it could be. I don't know. But I'd have to take more classes for that. And um and there's too many Cleopatras in the world already. We don't need them. Yes. You know, you can't just be somebody. Sure. Anyway, Bridie Murphy is a story about this woman 
this housewife and they go to their friends for dinner and there's a guy who's a hypnotist there. And so he takes her back and he, he goes back to her childhood, goes back to before, you know, when you're born. And then she goes, starts with an Irish brogue and says, she's Bridie Murphy from this place, this place, this place. And it became this huge, huge thing um, in the news. And when they went to check up on her stuff, she gave a lot of information. It, it just didn't seem to to mix. But what was really horrible, I remember reading the book, was that she said it took her like 55 years to come back and she was just lonely and alone in a dark space. I'm like, <laughs> yikes. Mm. <laughs> so let's hope she was a fraud because I can't believe that. Mm. Yeah, but... Th- you know what? Who knows? Who sure. knows? I've heard people sure. live tell us, uh, if you guys want to get real celebrity interviews, <laughs> go to, um, uh, what the heck is the name of it? This kid committed suicide and his mother talks to him on a radio show and he can pull up Hitler, Jesus, oh, Joan gosh. Crawford. Oh, uh, that's a, that's a trio. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. No, he. Ha- I said, you know, I had one of the psychics on one of my old shows, and I said, my God, why can't you get somebody for my show? She said, well, Eric's not here. And when I asked the mother, she said, oh, do you want Eric on too? I'm like, what? But <laughs> it's called something Eric. Google it. and um, he, yeah. yeah, and I think the mother must believe this. But they, the real bamboozle is that they said they talked to God. They sure. have God. And this kid goes on about Bigfoot and everything. And it, it's just like wow. unbelievable. And yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's the word. <laughs> it is. And yeah, and they, they kill me, right? Like when they interview like Joan Crawford or one of the older stars Ooh, and people collect, she the, the, the psychic will say, the channel, or she'll say, you know, I knew nothing about her. So I have to be honest, I know absolutely nothing about her. I, I have never heard of her before. Yeah. Excuse me, G O O G L E Google. Yeah, yeah, really. They're so full S H I T, and um, it yeah. makes me yeah. sad. And I also yeah. don't think the mother is a charlatan, but I hope not over the mm. grief of her son. But this is just <sighs> like I said. I mean, what a what a green room. He can just pull anybody out. Oh right, yeah. <laughs> it looks dressed. He has a mustache. Yeah. You know, it's just amazing. So everybody's view of heaven, life after death, if. Uh, near-death experiences, you know, John and I are not knocking anything. We don't know. And we're just describing movies and how they depict things to us. Because I don't I don't know what to tell you guys. <laughs> I don't think you're, they're not expecting you to do, solve the issue. Don't worry about it. I know they're not. But we're not, you know, we're not taking a particular stance or trying to be fresh about no. anything. We're just describing no, 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 the no, movies. Because no. there are a lot of no. religious people and they... You know, might take offense at some of the things. But, okay. Um, that's okay. all I'm saying. And okay. we mean this all just in describing a movie. I mean, that's it. So, my dear John. Yes. I want so. to say thank you. I had a wonderful, wonderful. Do you want to talk about another movie or you're cool? No, 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 no. I'm talked out, I think. <laughs> we did an hour. We did an yeah. hour. We did, I yeah, think yeah, we did good. Yeah. But yeah. I enjoyed it. Very much. Me too. Me too. Me too. As uh, always. Yes, and we'll do another one soon. You let me know too. You know I'm here, so I okay. hate. I don't want to bug you when I ask you. So you no, know. don't. You can bug me anytime. Go Good. ahead, and bug me. Okay. Yeah. And bug me back, will you? Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay. Okay, everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much to John for being on. And just Thank you. let's just enjoy every little minute we have. And you know what? My slippers are wet and I'm enjoying the sogginess and the dampness of my slippers. So <laughs> take care, everybody. Till the next time. Bye. Bye, John. Thank you. Stories of tinsel.